welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and tonight we are doing another comic talk episode. We are going to be talking. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be talking Frostbite, <laughs> a Vertigo comic by Joshua Williamson and Jason Sean Alexander. I've got Rod and Paul joining me tonight. What is up, yo? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we got a lot of <laughs> a lot of energy in the room, fellas. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, uh, under better circumstances, we'd be, what, an hour deep on the recording now? (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, but fucking technology. Yeah, hey, it's just refreshing that these IT issues didn't come from my side on a StarCast episode. (laughs) I always gotta blame somebody else. (laughs) And have two of the same fucking mic. That's right, that's right. So so all you people with, what is it, uh, blue... Snowball. Okay, Snowball, the blue Yeti mic Snowball. Yeah, apparently they have the same serial numbers, and uh, you can't make an and aggregate mic. they're different mic. colors. They look completely different. <laughs> fucking bullshit. Well, there you go. The Mac is teaching a powerful life lesson there, that though things can be the different colors, they're the same on the inside. This is like, it looks like fucking Captain Phasma, and mine looks like a stormtrooper. Oh my god, it really does. <laughs> <laughs> so all Excellent. Rod's gonna have to do is move his computer and knock it over and it'll die just like Boba Fett. <laughs> Pointless. So this is kind of a fun recording for you guys. Uh first time you guys being in the same room recording. Yep. Yep, but we're yet we're so far away. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's chilling on the couch and I'm over on the table. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm at Rod's house. <laughs> Listeners, <laughs> hear that. <laughs> That's too cool. <laughs> what have you guys been up to so far? Not much. <laughs> yeah, I hear that when I got off of, I got off of work. And we just basically have chilled, read some comics, and run um, the office. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know how old I feel I'm getting, man? A fucking seven-hour drive, to me, in my age and shape, feels like I just played three full-length soccer games. <laughs> I literally sat down the whole time. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it happens, dude. It sneaks up on you. He, 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 took, a, he, he took a good hour nap or so. <laughs> Wernie. <laughs> Shout out to Dante. <laughs> warny, warny, warny. <laughs> so, um, Paul, this was your first time reading Frostbite. Um, what did you think? Like, what were just like your overall impressions of it? Oh man, it, it was cool. It felt like it felt like the perfect '80s like B movie to me, like. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun, but yeah, it it had like a real cool retro feel to it somehow. Like I felt like I was watching an eighties B movie. Yeah. Yeah. The art kind of gives it that feel too. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just like some moments where I envision like a montage, like a, you know, montage to like fucking walking on sunshine at moments. Can you imagine like a movie version of this? Like the two of them are training or whatever, and it's like, hey, like what the fuck? 
in like the Arctic and everything, and you're listening to Katrina and the Waves or whatever the fuck that band is called. <laughs> um, Paul, what were no, Rod? What were your first impressions reading this, dude? <laughs> I mean, I, I I loved. It. I remember I read it. Um, I don't know, probably back a few months ago or so. Whenever I found out about it from you, um, so I read it and I thought it was great. And think we'll get to it, but the way they run, do the six issue series is so good, and it's just like it, I want more. Oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, it is. You fly through six issues of a comic reading this. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, my you know, the first time I read it, I went into it expecting it to be great because it's a Joshua Williamson book and and I wasn't let down. And the art in it um is uh Jason Sean Alexander and it's it's like there's times where the art is like hyper detailed and then there's other panels where the art is like a little bit almost more like hazy or fuzzy, you know, but it all blends together really well. And, uh, of course, I didn't make a note of the colorist in my notes. Uh, the cover of the book just says NCT. But um, it's got really good color in it, too. It almost has, like, a watercolor feel to it, but I'm pretty sure it's not watercolors. And I argue that the best parts of the book are when the panels are strictly black and white. Yeah, yeah, there's some good shit going on in those. And you get a lot of it, too, with uh, with it... So the whole premise of this book is that it's um, it's taken place like 50-some years after an ice age in the future that we come to find out was actually created by a, an accident among scientists. And this ice age has taken over the planet, and the first issue takes place in Mexico City, and it's like, what, like 17 degrees or something like that? Yeah, and snow everywhere and fucking blizzards and shit. Yeah, yeah, and... um there's not, there's not very many big cities left on the continent and it, it takes like specialized, like these really big, um, uh, like, uh, vehicles, like modes of transportation to get between cities. And they actually like refer to it as going out on the ice. And it's, it's definitely a dystopian future book. And there's an added element into it where there's this disease that people are getting that they call frostbite, where people are freezing from the inside out. And when it reaches like its final stage, you're basically turned into like a human popsicle. Yeah, uh, it's fucking brutal. <laughs> oh, and that the the colorist is his last name is NCT. It says his first name's Lewis. And then for the people that love their letterers, like Duke Shire, you got Steve Wands on letterers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't leave Duke Shire out of it. Damn right. <laughs> that was. Uh, the letterer for plastic for <laughs> for all you people who aren't letterer nerds. <laughs> um, Paul, what did you think of the frostbite disease? I, I thought it was really cool. Uh, I'm not going to lie. When I first uh, started reading it, I thought of, um, did you guys see the movie Tropic Thunder? Oh, yeah. You know, at the beginning, you know, the beginning they had the fake trailers and like, Ben Stiller is an action star in a series of what, like, the all the volcanoes erupt. <laughs> but then the last one is, like, Scorcher 6 global meltdown and, like, the whole country or the whole globe freezes. 
I just kept reading this comic like, where's Ben Stiller with the panda hat? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like it, it was a lot of fun to me. It was a fun premise, you know. But now, I have a question about the frostbite disease. Can they, like, that's only valuable when they're alive, right? Like, it doesn't affect them if they're dead. Like, they're not zombies, that's correct. And also they're okay. not communicable anymore uh after they've like died from it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's kind of weird cuz in the comics you'll see people in varying stages of this disease and like different parts of them will be just be blue. Like they actually are freezing and then when it like when the disease is like run its full course like the whole body's blue. And people are totally freaked out by it to the point where these massive cities will just get burned to the ground <laughs> as a way to stop it from spreading. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And I like uh, the what are it gives a whole new meaning to like the Wi-Fi hotspots a little bit when what they can plug in a computer device and for a couple minutes they can be taken to like a warm beach or something for their memory to bring back warm memories or something. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where the hell did you get that? Where did you get that? Dude? Remember at the, in the first issue, they like plug something into a street lamp and like they remember they're on a beach or something. Oh, I think it's, they're just talking. Whereas the thing she plugged, she was like basically swiping like a credit card because there was some like kids out on the street. And so, yeah, there's like these like basically it's like a heater that's like a pay as you go. And so there's all these kids clustered around and it's down to just 10%. And so our main character, which is this um, uh, lady named uh, Keaton, walks past and swipes it and like takes it back up to 100% for him. And uh, the dude that's with her was that Barlow says, you know, hey, wait, wait to go spend in our heat. And she's like, you know, hey, I, I grew up like these kids did. And, you know, don't worry about it. It's coming out of my share. His uh, Barlow's introduction is fun to the thing because he has like the greatest line of all time where they're trying to make him look like a badass. But yet, like he says something how he was like hurt. He's like, my biggest fear of almost dying alone came true. Like, okay, we get it. You have a heart of gold and you kind (laughs) of have a thing for the girl. Michael (laughs) Keaton, just calm down. (laughs) It felt very lifetimey to me. <laughs> uh jumping right into the characters there. Uh Rod, what was your first impressions of Keaton? Uh I mean, clearly I was like intrigued by her because I mean she's on the front cover and her first interaction is you see her helping people in this very shitty time of a new ice age. And I mean she looks like she's some type of assassin or something. She's got a a, a rifle strapped to her back. She's got it kind of looks more like well-equipped clothing for the weather. So she's been out here for a while and we just get thrown right into meeting all of the people that she's involved with, which is Barlow at this point. And they're just working on trying to get a, a way out of there. Yeah. And, um, Barlow tells her that, um, they're going to be escorting a couple doctors from Mexico city up to Alcatraz outside San Francisco. And shit pretty much hits the fan right away. 
Yeah, because you got they're ta- they're like talking about in the panels that these two people that they're supposed to be taking have like super fancy like heat insulated jackets that are expensive, so they know these people have money, and so she's basically questioning like why are they coming through us when they should just do it like the right way, and you basically just get the explanation that like they're out there like lo- the people are looking for him because he was one of the was the original six. Yeah, yeah, that's what Keaton comes to find out. The the so it's it's a doctor and his daughter, and it is um, uh, Doctor Henry Henry Bonham and his daughter is uh, Doctor Victoria Bonham. Yeah, so they need to they need to ride up the coast, and we come to find out that the the dad uh, Henry was one of the original six who was a like a climate scientist that an experiment went wrong, and that is what created the ice age. And so basically he's pretty much considered a war criminal and there's like a big bounty on his head. And um, right away shit hits the fan because we find out there's some bad guys led by this dude named Fuego that is is after them. And so they, they get attacked and we see some of um, uh, Keaton's crew bite it and they pretty much just take off outside of town like on their feet and they get separated and this is where the where the issue number 1 takes a really wild turn because our first introduction to Keaton with her being so compassionate um Paul what's she do at the end of that issue cuz her and 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 Dr. Henry Bonham are kind of separated off on their own and when she finds out who he is and what he was responsible for does she she fucking offs his ass, man. Yeah. <laughs> fucking kills that son of a bitch. The fucking gut shots, gut shoots him at that, you know? Yeah, the, I mean, uh, the violence is really uh, graphically depicted in this series. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's and, fucking brutal. Yeah, and, and that's fairly typical of a Vertigo comic, you know? It, it might be a DC imprint, but, I mean, this is right along the lines of, like, an image book. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I wish she would have said right before she shot him, like, just ice is served. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wish for that book. Very nice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's what's kind of cool because it is kind of a campy storyline, you know, like everyone's getting frozen and stuff but like they never flirt that line with making it you know like they take their work serious you know there's so many writers probably would have gone with like a pun or something but like this takes its topic and plot like real serious and i appreciate that oh yeah yeah williamson Um, knows what's up (laughs) fuck yeah he does (laughs) (laughs) um you know when we touched on fuego there um the first time we're introduced to him is that right at the beginning of the book um, you might be right. Because basically, yeah. he's trying to get some information like, he, out of a guy. Yeah, he is pouring gasoline on this dude, and he sets him on fire after he tells him what he wants. <laughs> so right away, we know the antagonist is not fucking around. He's a brutal dude. Yeah, he's like, well, now that you told me, why would I want anyone else to know? So I got to kill you now. Yeah, in a fucking and horrific there, way. And there was another like time for a perfect use like of a pun with fire 
and they didn't use it. These guys are at the top of their game. And like, yeah, he could have been like, well, like this relationship is up in flames. But instead he's like, no, I'm going to fucking kill you. (laughs) You know, like something real stupid, like, oh, yeah, like this is fired up or something. But no, like you're dead, bitch. Like, I'm going to kill you. Fucking love it. (laughs) This relationship is up in flames. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking classic. <laughs> Probably going to be in the next DC movie. Yeah. Yeah, with Killer Frost or whatever her name is. <laughs> Fucking She's cold as ice. It's going to be the song, the, the opening song of the movie. <laughs> oh, my God. They make it like a fucking 70s musical with LFO. <laughs> oh, not LFO. Oh yeah, yeah. oh fuck, dude. Bye 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 bye. That's in sync. (laughs) Damn, Rod. Good for you for knowing this stuff. I grew up in the nineties, what can I say? No, it's bugging me who sang cold as ice. (laughs) Quit playing games with my heart, Rod. That's not foreigner, is it? (laughs) Might be. That might be foreigner. I don't know. I want to know the answer. Anyways. You could say it's urgent. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, it's not Asia, is it? No, no. That's Heat of the Moment, which that song could have been played during this comic book quite a few times. You know, like when he's dr- when he's sacrificing himself at the end in the cockpit, that's the song he's playing. It was the heat of the moment. <laughs> or that's what the bad guy, the ultimate big bad guy. Big-ass explosion. <laughs> Boss burns when he's in, like, his sauna room. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you picture this as, like, a terrible 80s movie now with, like, a great soundtrack? <laughs> Cheesy the next time acting. I read it, the next time I read this, I want to read it through that lens. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like Dolph Lundgren's the bad guy. Like it's perfect. It's fucking perfect. <laughs> Quite honestly, every time I've read this, I've just been under the oh my god, this book is so badass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not looking I don't mean at it's a silly parade, angle, but it's it's crazy. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Um, you know, like, and there's that perfect part. Like, I thought of the Incredibles when they when they catch the when they catch the villains monologuing. That girl totally that like when we first meet her, she just points directly at the comic book and tells you like exactly the history of the of the disease and how like what it does to your body. It's like no one actually has conversations like that in real life that you just like give a complete summary of like a four, like a 40 year event. Like, Ooh, how specifically that you would just say that randomly in a conversation. <laughs> it's a narrative device called Johnny explain it all. As Craig T. Nelson throws a <laughs> rock at her. She's like, ah, 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 I caught you monologuing. <laughs> you sly dog. You, <laughs> Um, one thing I'll Ritz, say about Fuego. Ritz Cadillac has made this. <laughs> Ritz Cad- is Ritz Cadillac here? Ritz Cadillac is fucking here, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> this is Rod's fault, man. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. 
I was trying so hard because he got done reading the comic. He's like, that was great. And I'm reading it and I'm like singing 80s uh, songs in my head. And when I got done, I wasn't going to be like, oh, dude, that was like a great comedy. <laughs> I don't want to crush his soul. Like, tell him Santa's fake or something. <laughs> Santa's not fake. <laughs> um, one thing about Fuego was I thought that he looked a little bit too much like Indiana Jones. Yeah, he had that. He had the hat going. I saw that too. But he doesn't have the whip. No, no, does, he doesn't. He doesn't have a whip, and, and Indiana Jones also didn't have a polar bear on a leash. Yeah, or the, all these belt buckles on his coat jacket. His <laughs> <laughs> buttons. Yeah, fucking. And it, can you imagine if he had a whip? It'd be a perfect chance to play Devo's whip it in the movie. <laughs> He's like facing like six bad guys. <laughs> I need to. I, I need to, We need to start a GoFundMe Kickstarter to make this fucking movie. <laughs> Frostbite, just ice is served. <laughs> Frostbite the musical <laughs> coming coming this July fourth. <laughs> In this summer, things are gonna get cold. <laughs> So, Rod, what did you think of just the the first issue as a standalone? Uh, I I really enjoyed it because I mean it has that unexpected twist at the be- at the end of the first episode or the first issue. I didn't think she was gonna fucking kill that dude that she's supposed to be helping, and then like I mean we find out that her his daughter ha- knows how to make the cure for frostbite, and and that's who they're some- really after. Yeah, and that's who really is like they're going after. So that's why he's like. I don't care if I die. Like, just promise me you'll take my daughter to Alcatraz because she can cure everyone of this. So it was, it's interesting because you got, I mean, a super action packed end of a first issue leading into the second. And now we got the twist of now we know why the, they're really after them. And they know that whatever this disease is that you don't really, you see a little bit of it with those two homeless people in this first issue, or I don't know if they're homeless, but people that have frostbite and it's almost like they have the varying degree of it. Cause like the one person's almost like he's rabid cause he goes after. Her. Well, yeah, it's weird because it's like the people on the street, like come up and fuck with them and they're trying to like take their heat blanket away from them. And when they pull it off, they realize that the dude's got frostbite and then all of a sudden he freezes solid. And the one guy's like, what's he say? Like smash the popsicle or something. Yeah. He split them in half basically and explodes. Yeah, hits him with a baseball bat and just shatters him. Ugh, this is fucked up, right. man. <laughs> it's 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 a very weird it dystopian cool. future. Oh, sorry, it's like oh, snow. Ahead, it's like Snowpiercer and the day after tomorrow, and the Rock because you got to go to Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's there's no Nicolas Cage though, which yeah. is crazy because you know like I, I I did enjoy that kind of twist or whatever that take that you know Alcatraz being known in our history as one of the you know the place where you didn't see any good to now being the lab that can cure the world. Yeah. I thought that was a fun setting to have. Yeah. It was, it is kind of an interesting twist, (laughs) you know, and that's like another thing. Like I kind of wish they would have like 
faced more ad, like adversity on their journey to Alcatraz, but you got to do so much in six in six issues. Yeah. And what did you guys think of the way that this wrapped up? Because it doesn't wrap up like it was intended to be a miniseries. No, it fucking doesn't. <laughs> no, especially with that like end credit scene. You yeah. know, because like at first, because I took it, so so this is the way the '80s movie ends for me. Like it ends with Keaton turning around in the snow and like finding out she's been helping like spread the cure, and she walks back into the blizzard to the look playing by Roxette. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the credits and then we get that end scene and you're like oh fuck like it's a perfect movie like come on you see it ending like that don't you <laughs> you can fucking picture it Rosario Dawson turning around and she's got the look <laughs> Yeah, as this goes on, we kind of we find out that the reason these bad guys are after uh, Victoria, <laughs> or like she goes by Vic for short. So we find out that the reason that these bad guys are after Vic is that you know this boss Burns, the guy that Fuego works for, has got frostbite, and so he wants he wants Fuego to go out and get Victoria and bring her back so that. You know, he can be cured, but then he can also turn around and sell that cure to the highest bidder. Whereas Victoria is just wanting to get to her lab just to cure it just for the good of the world. And we also come to find out that Keaton has frostbite as well. And every time these people have frostbite, they they think the, the, the answer is to stay warm. And that's what's going to keep it at bay. But throughout the whole series, Victoria keeps telling people, you know, no, that's the last thing you want to do. If you want to keep the disease at bay, you need to you need to keep cold. Like the heat will act because you're freezing from the inside out with this disease, and the heat actually brings it out further, and so it accelerates the disease. And I don't know, that was just a crazy fucking concept. What did you think of that, Rod? Yeah, I thought that was really such a a unique way to go about it because you wouldn't have thought, oh, the heat's what's causing it actually to get worse. Because, of course, whenever you're cold, you think, oh, I need to warm up. You never think, oh, I need to stay cold. Otherwise, I'm going to get worse. But, yeah, we find out in this within this second issue, though, that um, Keaton has frostbite. Because you see her um, at one point when they go in to pick up supplies at, I think, a tanning salon or something. She uses the tanning bed, and when she takes off her, her shirt, you see it all on her arm, and her arm's all blue. It's crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. What did you think of that, Paul? Oh, I thought it was cool, especially you know with what we're accustomed to with like any infection novel. It's just like you know with like zombies, you're bitten and you're just turned into a zombie. But to you know take it and kind of turn it on its head with the complete opposite of ice being heat, being the thing able to like spread the disease is a fresh take on everything. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I'd ever read anything in a comic or seen something where people just spontaneously freeze like that. So, I mean, it was, at first it's kind of a weird thing to wrap your head around. It's like, okay, what, they turn it into water ice or something like that? But Terrifying. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and, they, and it talks in the book about how painful it is. 
And, you know, by keeping yourself warm, it kind of suppresses the pain of it. And so that's why people think that that's what's keeping it at bay, but really all it's doing is just masking the symptoms. And I love how in that second issue, we see them get to um, Los Angeles. And so they've got to find another transport to be able to get, um, you know, on up to San Francisco from Los Angeles. And uh, Barlow goes out and finds one kind of like on a bad part of town. And the it's the people that they're buying it from are called Jack Frosts, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they're basically like these spoiled rich kids that are like Ice Age, like gangster dudes that, you know, instead of just selling them the transport, they like pull out guns and like holding them sideways and everything, <laughs> you know, just wanting to take, you know, all their, their money and their heat from them. And uh, I, I love how fucking Keaton just has zero chill. Like what a stone cold fucking killer. I love how quickly she takes those dudes out. Oh yeah, like when um, fuck when was, she? so yeah, because they're getting one of those huge ass, basically like snowmobiles, like I don't even know what else you would consider it, basically in there. Because what was the deal that they made? They were gonna buy it black market, and then he ends up trying to take their all their shit and kill them, and then she like right away is like nope, and then she she slices his throat, and then chucks the other the other one that the other person there's and throws it like right through his throat yeah yeah and it, it's cool because like the panels will jump from like a blue background tint to then like when that's happening the action it's all red and black mm-hmm. with like the so you got like the the hot and the cold going on and it's really crazy and then you got the i guess the police that are kind of in that time period chasing after him now at this point yeah and they're rolling around on snowmobiles yeah and Barlow, they're on like what? I don't know. Did, there was like a a model name or whatever for the vehicle that they have in there. Yeah. It's like, no, you got to name it. <laughs> Doesn't he end up calling it the Snow Bunny? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I know. He's a cool character. Yeah. He'd be a fun person to cast. Yeah, he would. Guys suck at the fantasy casting game, though. Yeah, Paul seems to have it nailed, though. Well, Paul's going to be the music director for sure <laughs> of this he's production the, he, once it gets off the be, ground. He's going to be the next. He's going to do some scores on some uh, productions. <laughs> He'll be the next John Williams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 and um, see, so yeah, I love that we see him get away. It. it in this one and um i don't got the books right out in front of me how does the second one end the second one ends are out like in the in the mountains and then you get a shot of some crazy chick um with like really long almost like it's not medusa hair but she's got like these just really long strands of and spiked hair okay you see like her with her like crew of people all waiting out in the woods like kind of staring down at them yeah yeah, and then in the the third issue, we find out that this area that they're in, they're calling it Thin Ice, because it's there's pretty much nothing but like bandits out there, and it'd just be a shit place to break down. You'd pretty much just be dead, and they get set upon by like basically like two different like Mad Max style fucking tribes, right? We got uh, the Snow Queens and the Firemen, 
Which, Paul, I know you were hearing 80s music on this shit, right? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Burning down the house. <laughs> uh, <it's laughs> you know, I'm sorry to change your view on the comic, but this is this is like amazing to me. <laughs> I just kept picturing this shit. Oh man, this is gonna be the best movie of all time. <laughs> and so, Sweet yeah. past Infinity War. <laughs> And so the Snow Queens basically they they worship this winter goddess that they find people out on the ice and they sacrifice them to it so that the ice age will never come to an end. And they're led by a woman named uh, Gelda, whereas the firemen are basically just like anarchists, right? And they just find people and burn them and just steal their shit. And uh, they're led by a dude named Pyro, which is you know fitting, right? <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Do you think after they fuck something up, they sing like we didn't start the fire? <laughs> the pirate pirates <laughs> men are like, yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> like a West Side Story like number to we didn't start the fire. <laughs> did you get a Mad Max vibe from that though? Fuck yeah, I did. <laughs> and um. I love how right away they realize, okay, these people are here to steal or to kidnap Victoria. You know, she must have a huge bounty on her head that Boss Burns put up. And so they're like, all right, well, they're not going to risk hurting you. And so she just, uh, Keaton asked Barlow to just keep it going straight. And she opens up the back and takes out her sniper rifle and just starts shooting drivers of these big vehicles behind them, like right through the windshield. I thought that was so badass. Yeah, she shoots the dude right through the forehead and then his big-ass snowmobile type thing crashes and blows up. And Vic's like, holy shit, how are you doing this in the snow that you can't see anything? And she's just like, practice. So clearly (laughs) she's been out here once or twice. (laughs) Right? (laughs) She's like, you merely adopted the snow. I was born in it. (laughs) (laughs) I was born in the snow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When Gotham is in ice cubes, you have my permission to die. (laughs) (laughs) um, I I love when, when Gelda actually gets up on their transport and she's got that big fucking spear and, um, and they all end up down on the ground, and then, um, oh, what was it? Okay, so their transport actually gets damaged to the point where, where Barlow realizes, you know, oh, we're fucked, and you know what the Snow Queens do to their male prisoners, and you know, I'd pretty much rather die than have that happen to me. And so, like he, like Kamikaze runs their vehicle like in and like basically takes a bunch of them out. And so it's pretty wait, much. Wait, wait. So, so full disclosure, they're like, they cut off the guy's balls, right? That makes you wonder what they do. I mean, it's just kind of left right? implied, right? Like, I mean, you know, you could say the girls have their way with them, but I don't know if you'd be that disappointed by that. This has to be like castration. 
Yeah, I mean, they must do something fucking horrific because, I mean, Williamson didn't explicitly spell out what they do. He just said, you know what they do to male captives. And the next scene is like them putting him in a room with like the movie The Notebook playing. And he's like, no! (laughs) (laughs) That is fucking torture. (laughs) Give me death! (laughs) We're going to put you in the Nicholas Sparks room. (laughs) (laughs) No! (laughs) He's ripping his shirt off his chest. (laughs) (laughs) It's like five people you meet in heaven is up next, fucker. <laughs> and if he doesn't want to watch anything, he has he can just read the Fifty Shades books. I want to join Heaven's Gate. <laughs> Those are his two choices. Oh God! I just saw Fifty Shades freed or whatever it is. Jesus Christ! It was oh. the worst movie I ever saw. I didn't even make it all the way through the first one. I was just talking shit throughout the entire movie. <laughs> It's so stupid, man. And you know what's funny? That whole franchise is born out of Twilight fan fiction. That's so weird. And fucking. Here we are, the idiots that would make it the number one movie in America when it comes out. Jesus Christ. Oh, not we. <laughs> I not have we. To do with yeah, this don't shit. put me in this discussion. Oh, We're fuck. I kind of contributed to that. Damn it. <laughs> if I, I went- am the problem. If I want we porn, I'll get on fucking shit. Tumblr or something, okay? Cornhub. Cornhub. This episode of Sarcast brought to you by Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Alexa, look up Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that gets one of your listeners. <laughs> fucking hilarious. Hey, Alexa, play Heat of the Moment. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, it's kind of a um, kind of a bummer there. We lose Barlow because he was a super cool character. But, man, he went out like a badass. Well, and he drives into the Titanic, right? Or is he driving the Titanic? No, no, the, yeah, I was going to say, that's in the next issue. Oh, God, I can't wait till we get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of uh, Victoria uh, taking out uh, Gelda? It was sweet, because like, that whole lead-up is Gelda like, jumps onto their, their, their snowmobile or whatever they want to consider, so their vehicle. And she's basically she takes the rifle from Keaton and then Keaton just grabs it and like pulls the barrel right up to her head and says, just do it. And the next thing you, the next panel we get is Vic stabbing Geldo through the back of her chest with a with her own spear. Yeah, that spear or whatever it is. It's bloody. Yeah, it's fucking badass, man. You didn't see that shit coming. (laughs) So so how many issues was Gelda in? Just this one. Just the one I, I do wish we would have seen more of her. She gave me a very uh like a feel of the will from Saga. Yeah, I could see that. We'll see it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <That's okay. laughs> um and so let's see that. 
that next issue then so this one does it end with them going and finding that place or does it just end with them walking out in the cold they're just walking out in the snow okay so (laughs) instead in issue four they they find that bunker with with all the people dead of frostbite and that's when victoria kind of goes in and explains a little bit more about the disease right yes and that's yeah, they're working yeah. yeah go ahead dude yeah because they're working on trying to decide if like they can stay in this bunker and she's like well there's no heat and she's like well just take me to the to the power source and like the heat or whatever the heat pulse are whatever they call it and she turns it right back on no problem and then they they're basically just staying there and that's how she's kind of explaining to her like yeah my dad wanted me to be a like I, one of the heat engineers and she wanted to be a doctor, but she learned a lot about it. So that's how, you know, that's how she knows so much about like the heat systems and everything. Yeah. Cause she's a pretty handy mechanic. She's able to do all sorts of really cool stuff with heat pulsars. And I loved that whole concept of that technology. Yeah. That's a really cool technology. Cause it's almost like a miniature sun or something like that. Like it, yeah, it's, I wonder, really it's, it's like one of those heat dishes that you can get, you can buy, but I wonder like how much more heat and energy and shit it produces. Yeah. And one of those little ones. What did you think of that, Paul, with like the heat pulsars and in, in that uh, technology? I thought it was cool when you see that guy, like, Oh, it kind of reminded me of Iron Man type of stuff. I thought it was really cool. Like a, like a mini arc reactor they could use. And shit like that. It was a yeah. fun technology. Yeah, didn't it seem like it was like a contained like little sun or something like that? Just like this this energy that just radiates heat? I don't know. It's it was fucking cool. You I've could almost the power. You could almost say it's lit. It is lit. <laughs> it's lit, dude. It is lit. We gotta keep it hip with the young listeners. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, with the millennial listeners. <laughs> drinking their starbucks and so yeah they they find like a snowmobile in there and they get it all ready to go and pretty much right when it's ready that's when uh fuego and his men show up and he's got a fucking polar bear on a leash with him yeah he's not fucking around yeah and um uh this was also the issue where at the beginning of it we we see boss burns for the first time right that was the last up uh last issue okay but it was okay and yeah, because yeah, you, you, you see him in the sauna. Yeah, yeah, and he tells him to take the Titanic, right? Yeah, yeah. And so when they when they take him out to the the transport they're on, it's a fucking ocean liner that's got like basically like big like tracks on the bottom of it in multiple spots. Like those fucking it's like a tank. And his name, it's basically a tank ship. Yeah, and it's named the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> driving over the ice now i don't know if you guys have seen like deadliest catch at all but like boatmen are fucking superstitious as fuck oh yeah i don't think anybody in their right mind that operates like an all-terrain vehicle like that would actually name it the titanic being so superstitious well and what's funny too is in the next issue even i mean Vic even kind of brings that up that she asks him you know don't you you realize what the Titanic was and none of them knew. 
Oh, and I think we do get a pun, don't we? Isn't the guy like when shit's about to go down? Isn't he like, I got some icebergs coming your way? I'm like, yes, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Vic amazing. says that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Vic says a couple puns in this too. She she said another one to um uh, to Keaton while they were in that bunker. Because she says it, and then she's even, like, points her, and she's like, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, like, I wish, like, instead of saying, I'm saying icebergs are way, like, we're going to need we're gonna need a bigger door. <laughs> <laughs> like, that would have been fucking fantastic. <laughs> and, um... We'd also found out a little bit earlier that uh, Fuego had done and had an autopsy done on Henry, and they found out that it wasn't one of his men that killed him. And throughout all these issues, as we're seeing Keaton get closer to Victoria, she's also increasingly feeling more guilty that, you know, she killed her dad in Victoria and just lied to Victoria saying, you know, no, he didn't make it. Fuego's men killed him. And Fuego's able to turn Victoria against Keaton by, by telling her, you know, Hey, you know that my men didn't kill your dad. It was a gun just like that one that you've got right there. Cause you know, Victoria had been using Keaton's handgun and, uh, and so Victoria's like, yeah, kick her off. And so Fuego just boots her right off the back of the Titanic, and they just leave her out in the snow to presumably die. But since Keaton has frostbite, you know, the cold actually helps her survive. And she's able to just kind of follow along. She runs back to the bunker and grabs the snowmobile and then goes after her. Um, what did you think of that development, Rod? Yeah, I thought I was, cause I, it was interesting because every time that they would have like a moment together getting closer as friends. It was like Keaton kept getting that flashback of killing her dad. And she's like, wait, I need to tell you something. But every time she was about to tell her something else would happen. So she never could get around to telling her this. So she clearly didn't. I mean, obviously she didn't want her to find out the way she did, but since she did find out that way, you could just tell how angry, I mean, she was fucking pissed. And then, yeah, they fucking shove Keaton right off the edge of the Titanic and the, it was so cool again to see that panel where she's kind of falling off the edge and it's like almost like an all white page yeah. and it kind of fades to the other color and stuff as she's falling. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, Paul, did you see that coming? Uh, no, I didn't. And I don't mean to get into spoiler territory, but I also think I would have dug it even more if they would have committed to Keaton like dying. I feel like that really would have like stuck with me. Like, Oh shit. Like Victoria's got to solve it all on her own now. Oh, okay. Just if, if Keaton would have just been written out of the story at that point. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a huge twist. And I think it would have paid off if they would have like stuck with the death instead of the fake out. Yeah. See, I don't know. See, I liked, I liked Keaton's character too much. So I'm glad that she didn't. You know, I'm glad we got to see her stick around because she does oh, have a very redeeming too. arc. And in, does, yeah, in the end, I think that she is the main character of this series. Oh yeah, but I still wouldn't have been like I. I still would have read five and six if they oh, would have yeah. done it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of that, Rod? 
Yeah, it would have been interesting. I mean, like you were saying, I mean, she's the main character and she has so much like internal struggle going on now at this point, like throughout the whole series. Because I mean, right at the very end of that first issue, she kills Vic's dad and doesn't tell her, lies to her right away. And then you can just see, like, cause she just she just assumed that Vic was going to be an asshole like her father, and she's actually like a really caring person. And so she realized this at t- at, after the fact that she's already killed her dad. So she's trying. You just have her battling these inner demons of doing the right thing and telling her and trying to like not tell her because she doesn't want to hurt her because she's her friend now. Yeah, yeah. There's some. I don't know. It's uh, that internal struggle that we keep seeing Keaton have throughout this is very interesting. It adds a lot of depth to her character. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And with issue five, I I love how just all the scenes in the Titanic are great with, with her, with Victoria trying to barter with Fuego, you know, and saying, you know, Hey, maybe we can work together. You know, you don't have to just, take this and, and turn it over to your boss. And, and Fuego's like, you know, whatever. It, it doesn't matter to me. None of this shit matters to me. And Victoria figures out right away that, you know, hey, we haven't turned around and started going back to Los Angeles yet. You want me to tell you where my lab is because you need to go raid all our supplies. And she's pretty much holding out. And she she makes a bit of a... And, and I love that he's threatening her with the polar bear. And and she's right. not buying it because she knows that they need her alive. And she even pets the polar bear. <laughs> if only the polar bear would have showed up with a Coke. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. With some penguins and scarves. <laughs> See, Rod sees it for what it is. <laughs> no, I still love it. No, I love it, too. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, she makes a deal with Fuego so that she can just check out their heat pulsars. And she's able to to basically like switch the polarity on it. So it turns into a cold fusion reactor instead. And it basically like freezes the ship over, right? Yeah, like the energy is like she basically explains is like the energy is there still to create heat, but it's also able like to create just as much cold. And that's actually what, like, that's how um, the whole Ice Age began because it's super unstable when it's switched that way. So you can't really control it very long. And they didn't realize that when they were initially trying to do this whole heat pulsar. And that caused the, the new Ice Age. And since her dad was part of that, she knew that's what it was. Yeah. And I love that we see Keaton come back and just start taking people out like a ninja and after after victoria like runs out you know and kind of notices these dead people around and then when she sees keaton she's like pissed right away and she's like you know i didn't need you to save me i don't you know you're a murderer i don't want anything to do with you and then we see even more depth out of keaton's character when she points out you know do you even realize what your dad did like your dad was responsible for all this he basically killed my whole family and ruined my life and you know, I'm I'm not sorry that I killed him. I'm sorry I killed your dad, but I'm not sorry about killing the person that your dad was. And you know, you you can just sit here and cry about it, or we can get out of here, and I can you know keep that promise I made to your dad while he was dying, and I will, 
you know, take you to Alcatraz so that you can, you know, cure this disease. How awesome is it that she, so when she's basically apologized to her, they're, they're going to go and try to leave. Um, the polar bear gets released on her and Keaton just fucking gives him an uppercut. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bear uppercut. Yeah, there is a bear punch in this, right? There's a reverse shirtless bear fighter right here. <laughs> she knocks that thing the fuck out, too. <laughs> She's like, no, I drink Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> I've taken the Pepsi challenge, bear. All the stuff with the polar bear is like really, it's it's like really badass. And it's really cool. But at the same time, like, how strong would you have to be to keep a bear on a leash like it's a dog? I mean, I, my neighbor has some really big huskies, and I see her getting pulled all over the place by these dogs. <laughs> and you want to put a fucking bear on a leash, and then you, at the same time you want to tell me that a girl who looks like she's 125 pounds soaking wet is going to knock a bear out with one punch? Right. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm also believing that there's heat pulsars in this <laughs> and all this other shit. So it's like, I'm already suspending my disbelief enough. It's science. It's science. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact. A squared plus B squared equals bear knocked the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> now I picture him taking his polar bear to like a dog obedience class. Being like sit bear, <laughs> <laughs> they're tossing, they're tossing their dogs bagging strips, and he's tossing like fucking salmon and shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine trying to rub a bear's nose in the carpet if it pissed on it? <laughs> Bad bear. <laughs> Look what! No porridge for you. <laughs> what if this was really like a storyline in Westworld? This is what it fucking could be. <laughs> you, got the, you got the cowboy. He's the man in black. Yeah, he takes off his mask and it's Ed Harris. <laughs> but Scoob. <laughs> I'd have got away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <laughs> yes. The comic book of 2018. <laughs> uh, this has been a weird episode. <laughs> and then when she punches the bear, you're as cold as ice. And she just like she just like brushes her hair out of her face. Like yeah. <laughs> and um. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, they jump on that snowmobile then, and, uh, Keaton and um, and Vic, and they take off the, for that last little run, and they get to Alcatraz, and it they just get across the bay, and you know the the ice is the 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 ocean's frozen over there, but not very much, and so they got to leave the snowmobile on the bank, and they just start crossing, and it's like just barely cracking, and they're almost there, and then. Uh, Rod, who's coming after him? Isn't it? Fuck, who is this dude again? It's Fuego. Is that Fuego? Okay, yeah, he's, he's that's right. Yeah, it's Fuego, and he's now he's got his fucking bear, his polar bear that he had. He skinned it, and it's yeah. still got the blood all over the fur, and he's just wearing it around like a fucking coat. 
<laughs> he's, he has like a it's like a flamethrower, like attached to a like almost like a a gun. It's not quite like a handheld. It's almost like a I don't even know how to describe it, like an Uzi, but it's a fucking yeah flamethrower. And then he's got a knife, and he's just pointing at him, and he's coming after him on the on a fucking snowmobile onto the ice that's like super thin that you have to walk on. So they're like, "Fuck, we need to hurry up because the ice is gonna start cracking." And then you get this really cool last panel is really fucking sweet where it's like kind of like if a picture for if picture falls off balance, they did that with some of the frames where it's like picture, picture frames in the corners and you just see all the ice starting to crack mm-hmm. and then in the dead center of it running, seeing it cracking behind them. Yeah. It's fucking way cool. I loved how they did the art in this. Paul, what did you think of the polar bear cloak? <laughs> Oh man, it was fucking amazing. It was like every eighties movie at a fucking orgy. This guy was like wearing a bloody fucking polar bear outfit and he's got like he's weaponed up and you know, you got women running on ice. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> An eighties movie orgy. <laughs> like at this moment we're kinda of taking a change and we're playing kickstart my heart. <laughs> Amazing man. <laughs> and um Tropic Thunder thing because in Tropic Thunder he wears a panda and in this the dude's wearing a fucking polar bear. <laughs> and at one point in his life he probably donated to save the polar bears. So it's ironic. No I saw Joyce. Paul, is your mic coming in okay? Because it sounds kind of oh, weird. Oh, am I good away. now? Okay, there you are. Okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, the ice starts cracking apart, and and basically Fuego and Keaton go down underwater, and Keaton wakes up in what is extremely reminiscent of a back to tank. Like, did you, Paul? Did yes. you get that? <laughs> of course, I did. Yeah, I'll say, did you get that vibe off it? I thought somebody was about to call her like a scruffy looking nerf herder. <laughs> and um, yeah, we found out that when she was underwater, she had pretty much frozen all the way through, but they were able to thaw her out slowly in, in that water tank. And then she comes to in, in Alcatraz in Victoria's lab and they'd synthesized the cure, but Keaton was already too far along on it, and so they weren't able to cure her. And she said that, you know, if it weren't for the fact that you were so far along in this disease, you would have died under the water. And the only way that you're going to be able to live with this is if you never stay warm again. Because if you go into the warmth, if you go into the heat, you you know, the disease is going to manifest itself the rest of the way. You're going to freeze completely solid and you're going to be dead. I didn't see that shit coming. Yeah, no. it was basically you can survive, but you can't ever be warm again in your life. God, that suck. I like being yeah, warm. Right? <laughs> the only time it's good to be, the only time I like being cold is when I'm like going into to go to sleep. I like to like be freezing up to like bundle up because I hate <laughs> trying to fall asleep hot. It's impossible. Yeah. 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 Falling asleep in the middle of the summer can be fucking rough. That's the only thing that sucks about camping in the middle of the summer. Yeah, because when you're in, when you're hot, you're uncomfortable. And there's no fucking comfortable position to sleep in when you're sweating. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, then Keaton kind of figures it out, and she's like, you know what? You know, you scientists are going to die if you go out and try and take this cure to all the different communities out there. But, you know, I'll do it. That'll That'll be the way that, you know, that'll be my penance for what I've done, you know, with, with killing her father and everything. And, and, you know, she kind of knows like all the different back ways around from all the traveling and stuff she had done. And they, well, don't they pretty much just give her some snowshoes and like a bunch of the cure and she just takes off on foot. I think so. Yeah. She's just fucking walking. Yeah. They weren't even nice enough to give her a goddamn snowmobile. <laughs> savages right she's trying to save all these people and oh you can walk <laughs> you get everybody cured up in oh a hundred or so years <laughs> right <laughs> yeah but she'll be the best goddamn cross-country skier for that country's uh <laughs> olympic medal or uh, olympic team when uh, everything thaws out yeah, and she's already got the sniper rifle, so she can do that absolutely ridiculous Olympic sport of cross-country skiing and target shooting. Yeah, that's right. crazy. That <laughs> I actually watched that for a little bit on TV the other day. I'm like, this has got to be the most contrived, stupid fucking sport I've ever seen. Yeah, I was trying, I've been teaching my kids about the Olympics. And it's like, the only thing I could think of is if back in the old days, they like ski to hunt their food, and that's where that comes from. I have no fucking idea. Yeah, that kind of makes that, sense. That's the bullshit excuse I came up with. But th- that's not sport. That's survival. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're getting us ready for the Hunger Games. <laughs> that's the, And then right there, you think, okay, this is a good ending to this book, right? If he'd have wrapped it up right there, that would have been the miniseries ending that would have made sense. Mm-hmm. Okay? But instead, we get this weird epilogue scene and rod why don't you explain what that is yeah so basically we get like months later in la and we go back to the sauna where we see what boss burns and his one of his assistants comes in is telling him like all right we know there's this we know keaton's out there um delivering the cure to people but we can't find her every time we get close she disappears and then he's basically explaining what we found out from the doctors. He's like, well, the heat was actually what was causing is what was making the virus spread. So it just suppressed it while you're under these heat lamps. And now it's just made it worse and it's mutated. Um, so when he finds that out, he's like, well, I guess maybe then I might as well just walk out in the cold and see what happens. And we get like the very last page is a full page splash of I don't even, how would you even describe the way this guy looks now? Almost like a, a zombie. Yeah, yeah, a zombie look to him. Because he's yeah. got like red eyes. He's bald now at this point. His face is all wrinkled up and everything. He, yeah, he almost looks like one of the White Walkers from Game of Thrones. It's like reminiscent of that. Yeah. And so, and then you're like, okay, so Boss Burns is now mutated into something weird, and he's going to go out and he's going to try and find Keaton. But that's the end of the miniseries. To be continued. I don't know. That's and I don't know. I need to do some googling and, and see if I can figure out if there's ever been any news of it potentially coming back or not. I know Williamson's got a lot on his plate right now, so I mean, it's not to say that maybe there's 
plans for it to come back at some point in the future, but for right now it's just these six issues, which it's a, it's a really tight miniseries. I really liked it, but the, the, that ending just felt a little bit off if it was intended to only be six issues. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, cause this came out what in 2016, mm-hmm. um, it was 17. It started in 16 and ended in 17. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if we'll come back to it. I hope so. I mean, it's a, a pretty interesting world that he's created here, and I'd like to see what other stories he could tell in it. Yeah, because, I mean, he could tell a ton of stories of Keaton meeting out, like people trying to find her, her deliver the cure, and like you could even have it where she gets to certain cities and meets certain people that end up joining her on her journey or whatever. Yeah. He could even do like a prequel of like the first days of this shit. Oh, like the actual scientists yeah. blowing it up and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to do a better job than the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Still <laughs> leave Dennis. Don't put Dennis Quaid in it. <laughs> but J.O. Sanders, he can be in it. <laughs> yeah. Google him. <laughs> I'm like not ringing any bells. <laughs> he he plays Dennis Quaid's best friend in the movie. Oh, nice! <laughs> and he was the announcer in Angels in the Outfield that gets punched by Danny Glover. <laughs> oh shit! You're right. Yeah, I am right. <laughs> More you know. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> Let's rent that on digital tonight. <laughs> Rod and I are standing doing angel wings in the living room. <laughs> I believe in you, Tony Danza. Fuck, I liked that movie as a kid, too. Christopher Lloyd in it. That's a good movie. It's He's a fun a- movie. He's Angel. He's Al. Spoilers. <laughs> A twenty-year-old movie. He's dead. <laughs> um, oh, and you also know, has, has Robin in it. Yeah, JGL Joseph Gordon Levite. Levitz. Love it. Whatever. I thought us Wisconsin people say Levite. Yeah, I've always heard it. Levitt, We're probably but... wrong. Levitt. Yeah. Well, Wisconsin's stupid. That's <laughs> cheese. <laughs> I know I'm teaching the youth there. I should know. <laughs> <laughs> Making them dumb. Two youths. <laughs> hey, Ron. The two what? Youths. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's watch that fucking movie. That movie never gets old. I don't care how many times oh I see God. my cousin Vinny. My biological clock is ticking. <laughs> I don't care what people say about, like, everyone says that's the biggest shocker that she won Best Academy or Best Supporting Actress Award for that. Like, you're like, oh, she didn't earn it. She's fucking great in that movie. Yeah, she is. I fucking really love fucking that movie. Yeah, George Costanza loves her, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the thing from Marissa Tomei. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> God, it's a good fucking movie. Every hetero male has a thing for Marissa Tomei, all right? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> Especially after Spider-Man Homecoming. After no. The Wrestler. Have you seen The Wrestler? Negative Ghost Rider. Dude, she is a stripper in that. 
like as almost as good as Elizabeth Berkeley from Saved by the Bell and Showgirls or in any given Sunday as a prostitute. As in the fact that like she's completely naked and she's not Elizabeth Berkeley, she's Marissa Tomei. <laughs> <laughs> well then, and she's not Elizabeth Berkeley. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Isn't her name Mona Lisa in that? In Showgirls? No, in fucking my cousin Vinny. Isn't her name Mona Lisa? I don't. I don't remember that. She's got some crazy, like Italian Brooklyn name. I think it's Mona Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really I do. I gotta look this shit up. <laughs> so I don't think she would have gotten named after the painting. I know that's in Parks and Rec too, and I think <laughs> I read that they were like they inspired the character after her. Fuck, going down rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mona Lisa Vito. Oh, there you go. Well, then. Or you know, information right in your <laughs> ear hole. <laughs> Did you guys both get a chance to read that number one issue of Vengeance Nevada? I read it. Negative. It'd be Nevada, right? I think Sturdy would not have been happy with me calling it Nevada. You're going to get arrested. What's Nevada? <laughs> you didn't get a chance to read that one though paul no that's all no, good man. some some unfortunate incidents happen <laughs> what did you think of that one rod it was interesting i felt like i at times i was kind of unsure of like what i was really reading yes uh, and then, it, like, it at other times it came together. Well. Yeah, it was like, it was jumping around. Like, it felt like it was almost like some of the dialogue was unnecessary. That kind of, like, took it off, the, like, the plot line of the story. And then, like, it would jump back to it. And I was trying to follow the figure out, like, are they superheroes or mutants? Or I'm not sure exactly what they are. See, it struck me as one of those number ones that makes a lot more sense after you've read more of the story arc, but there was a lot of confusion reading it uh, for that first time. I liked a lot of the ideas. So vengeance Nevada is a, it's a book it's available on comiXology. It's by BJ Mendelson. And like, is that Ben junior Mendelson from like fucking rogue one? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I didn't make a note of who the artist was on it, but I thought the art in the book was really good. Yeah, it was different too. Um, but I hadn't, I hadn't seen art kind of like that in a while. Yeah. But I mean, you know, just on the strength of a number one, it, it was a little bit confusing. I couldn't really tell you for sure what's going on in the book, but I am intrigued to the point where I would read more of the story arc to see where it's going to go because there were some kind of neat ideas in it. Um, but but I wasn't fully clear on where it was going. Yeah, that's how I was. I was like, "What's the like storyline they're going to try to tell here?" I mean, clearly at the end of this, that first issue, you got like everyone kind of teaming up to like help this person. But it's like I don't know like what this world is that they live in because it's like they have the one she had like super fast speed or something. The one lady. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
<laughs> I was, was like, pretty the- confused on what was going on in it. <laughs> like, I think she did. And then you had like cycle. <laughs> I think she did. <laughs> <laughs> read it. Nice try. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, want, want, want. but I mean, we we saw the one person that was like shape shifting, and they were talking about people that were from like, it was like there was like a mix of was it? There was a lot like, going on. <laughs> there was a lot going on in it. Yeah, there was like a shape. Yeah, like a shape shifter that could, that was looking like the other person, and it was like a but shapeshifters can't be alive. Like I don't know, they're just like throwing out random facts, but like they weren't really explaining much. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it, it'd be one of those things where after a few issues or a first story arc in that first issue on a reread would make a lot more sense. That's what that's what I think. Yeah, that's probably not the best way to go about doing a first issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Usually. no, I, I know what you mean. Um, Unless you're like already kind of like an established name. Like I think like someone like a Brian K. Vaughn or something could get away with it because you know he's gonna have this all tied together at some point. But I mean, for all we know, this could turn into like another black cloud. Yeah, I mean it, it's one where depending on what sort of <laughs> if you're a glass half empty or a glass half full type person, how you're gonna feel about that book, right? What black cloud? No, Vengeance. Uh, uh, <laughs> vengeance Nevada. Because, yeah. I mean, you, you could finish it and be like, oh, I didn't know anything that was going on in this and, and just toss it. Or you could be like, okay, there there are some neat ideas in this. I want to read a little bit more. Uh, you know, I want to read a few more issues and see if it clears things up. And the, yeah. and the, that's the, the art was good enough in it to where I would read more. And the... Um, it, it did have some some good ideas in it. I, I liked some of the direction it w- was going, but overall, I'm not positive. It, it did feel like like a little bit of like a oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Almost like a like just a, a mix of like a whole bunch of different ideas to where it's like I definitely need to see. I I would for sure have to read more issues to understand where it's trying to go. Yeah, yeah, because. May, like I would, I would give it. A, I would give another issue a read just because I want to see if that second issue clears up anything from the first issue, and starts giving me a better idea of, of what type of path the story is going on. But right now, it's like I don't know. Like they didn't really. They basically didn't. I, don't, I mean, like they kind of ended with the one person needs all these other. Like this one person needs help, and everybody else decides they're going to help out with it and isn't there like a giant like is there a gorilla something like that all came came out of nowhere at the end right <laughs> like a gorilla with a hat on yeah i have to pick this book up right now yeah <laughs> but paul you really should give it a read and see what you think yeah. uh it, okay. it's it's mostly black and white there's sporadic color use in it the color that is used in it is to pretty good effect i i like how you're seeing lots of black and white panels but the main character's eyes are green and they're kind of like a weird green, and, and it almost seems like. See, at one point, the char- this main character, this lady, is like given this like sword, that's almost like a mystic sword or something like that. And when she takes it, like this spirit of this thing that gave it to her, that was like a shapeshifter or something like that, like goes and possesses her or something like that. Is that what you got out of that rod? 
Yeah, that's kind of what I was taking from it. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know. I, I it's it's hard to talk about because I wasn't exactly positive of where it was going, but I did really like the art, and I thought the cover of the book was really good too. I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, but in comics, covers are pretty important, and it had a fucking dope cover. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what how it like what ties the title name into the story. Yeah. Vengeance Nevada. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, we can kind of just do a little bit of comic talk free for all. If you guys want, have you, have you read anything, uh, recent that you want to bring up recently, Rod or, um, I read recently, I read this, the fifth trade of the new 52 Batman, which was the second story arc with zero, zero year. Oh, it was pretty fucking good, but the Riddler, um, I'm trying to think, did I read anything else recently? Oh, uh, I read that first issue of, um, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, at some point, but that first issue of Deathbed. Oh, yeah, I'm going to pick it up tomorrow, dude. Nice. But my week was just, I was just getting fucking bombarded <laughs> at <Yeah>. work. <laughs> and so it was like, I didn't even take, like, my lunch breaks were, like, I was like, yeah, I, I can't, I'm not going to actually go anywhere. <laughs> my lunch break, right. it's, it's too fucking hectic. <laughs> um, have you read anything recently, Paul? That is a negative. Just uh, Batman White Knight. I don't think the newest one's come out for a while yet. Okay. Man, that's been good, hasn't it? It just keeps oh, building and getting better. Yeah. And fucking Sean Murphy, of course. I want that to be like a fucking animated movie pretty soon. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's... Make it rated R. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, for, for, for real. Sean Murphy was on Twitter also asking, you know, people like, hey, are there any specific things you'd like to see in a next story arc? So it is possible that, you know, maybe he's going to do another miniseries run on it. That's fucking cool. And I liked how he's going like uh, the hush route and he's involving most of the rogues gallery in this. Yeah, it's very cool. Is, um... Did Sean, when Sean Murphy did Chrononauts, that was with Malar. Was that part of the that was part of Malar world, right? I believe so. Yeah. Has he ever done any image title? Oh no, he did Tokyo Ghost, didn't he? That was Rick Remender. But Remender. Sean Murphy did the art on on Tokyo Ghost. Right. And he did Punk Rock Jesus for Image. Okay. I haven't seen. I haven't read that. Yeah, that's, I know. Dude, that's a great Paul, fucking one. I know you've told me that several times too, and fuck, I have got to pull the trigger and just read that. That is one of my all-time favorite graphic novels of all time. Did he write it or he just do the art? He did both. Oh, nice! So it's just like White Knight. Yeah, it's fucking crazy, man. It's uh, it's like in a world kind of like obsessed with like Kardashian culture. This uh, reality network that like pretty much controls the world finds um. They get DNA off of what the the shrouded terrain is that how you say it? Something like that. Yeah, and they bring like they're able to clone Jesus, and they like impregnate like a a pregnant like crackhead girl, and like it's more about like the bodyguard's relationship with his own religion, and having to protect like this guy who everyone idolizes and they shouldn't. It's it's insane. It's fucking great. Oh, that sounds really cool. 
the image book. It's got to be fucking awesome. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> right on. And that's called Punk Rock Jesus? Yep. Sweet. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, that's a good name. <laughs> and so it's written and it's art or it's written and drawn by Sean Murphy? Yep. Fucking nice. I love his art style. And then for Vertigo, him and uh, Scott Snyder did a 10-issue miniseries like in 2013 called The Wake, and that was fucking amazing. Snyder did the story, and he did the art. Oh, shit. Got you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Right away, I'm like, I'm intrigued. (laughs) And it was kind of like when they both weren't like at their peak at the time. So like we didn't realize how much of greatness we were getting when it happened. So it's kind of like a nice little, you know, not so well-known book out there. That's fun. Oh, knocking shit over here. Yeah, because that would have been around the, was that, that Snyder time, around the time he was doing the Batman New 52? Yeah, it was like, he was like the third volume into Batman. Okay. Yeah. That, man, I love, I, I don't know. I just love Sean Murphy's art. He's one of my favorite artists. Well, he's fucking fantastic. Yeah. I like Capullo's a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of that, man, um, Dark Metal Knights has only got one more issue to go. Oh, yeah, I'm I know. so behind. Or Dark Metal Knights. Dark Knights Metal. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you meant. Are there, any, there aren't any more tie-ins at this point, right? Nope. Nope, there's okay, only number good. six left to go. They they just had um, uh, Dark Knight's The Wild Hunt, which is the kind of the penultimate issue. Which, yeah, I, I was freaking out because it wasn't on the checklist. I was like, what the yeah. fuck? And I was talking was about it? with with, with Jordan Leakin, and he was like, oh, no, no, this was one that, you know, they they just kind of decided they were going to do this one. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And luckily yeah. I'd had it on my pull list, and so my collection is complete. All yeah, I, need is yeah I made six. sure. Yeah, I made sure. Like when I got mine, like every everything that was tied in with the Dark Knights, I wanted on my pull list. Nice. Yeah, that that might be worth some money someday to have that whole thing. I mean, fuck, just the what was it Teen Titans eleven that, yeah, or something like that, twelve or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, I I fucked up and I canceled teen titans on my poll list not because i didn't like the book but just i was i was trying to save some money and i i had to make some tough choices and so literally if i would have kept it for one more month i could have gotten that book for was it 3.99 yeah and instead i had to ebay it for 25 bucks to make my collection complete Ooh. motherfucker right <laughs> I'm so disappointed in myself yeah because that one's worth so much right now because that was the first appearance of the Batman who laughs, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's why I'm fucking pumped to see what this um, Deathbed series does. I don't know how long it's going to be, if it's going to be just like a five or six issue series. But you have Josh Williamson and then the artist from who did the Batman who laughs one shot for the tie-in. Yes. That's part of it on here, so it's fucking great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude, I, I know. I fuck, I can't wait to read Deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> just so much of Joshua Williamson stuff just clicks with me. And so, yeah, when I heard that he's got another Vertigo miniseries coming out, it's like, yes. <laughs> yes, I want to read that shit. It's a nice cock tease of a first issue. 
Oh, good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, my comics. It, it gets shop. ready to buy that twenty dollar dance. <laughs> <laughs> my comic shop opens at eleven tomorrow, and I will be there right soon thereafter, picking up my pull list. Nice. Next, uh, was it Birthright? Was it thirty? Yeah, so that must be the end of that story arc. So we're gonna have a little break from that. We, I haven't read Paper Girls twenty yet, but I need to because in there they're going on. That was the finish of a story arc, right? Oh, dude, it was good. Damn it. Need to read it. <laughs> I gotta so, check. I'm like, what? What all am I picking up tomorrow? There's a so that well, fuck. Two of my favorite titles are going on fucking break. Then, Paper Girls and Birthright. Yeah, and Southern Bastards only has what one more issue till it goes on like a fucking ten year break. <laughs> <laughs> and then it'll come back for two issues, and then, and then come and then break for four months and another issue. God, he like think about it, he that he could have been. 25 issues in by now at least yeah yeah jason aaron stays pretty busy with marvel stuff though yeah isn't he doing like star wars and doctor strange and the mighty thor and shit uh he's not doing doctor strange that's donny cates okay he did at one time do it though right but um oh what the hell is he doing i just seen, i thought i'd seen something on twitter that was a new project that he was going to be starting but uh, he stays pretty busy with Marvel. Marvel Marvel has him writing some books. Um, he, he has been doing Mighty Thor. Those Thor books that Jason Aaron has done have been fucking fantastic. They're top-notch. I'm so behind, but I got up to, like, issue eight of this. And even Thor Unworthy he's doing is fantastic. Yeah, the Unworthy Thor was, like, a five-issue miniseries, I believe. Yeah. It was great. Really good stuff. Well, that's what's good with, like, when you get stuff like Vertigo, where Williamson gets to do something like this, or what he's going to be hopefully, like, seeing what happens with Deathbed. But he's doing The Flash as well, but when you go into doing something for, like, a Marvel or a DC character, you basically have, like, a a guideline that you kind of have to follow. Like, you can't really do take too many liberties with characters. Because of just the history of him, yeah. But when you do get when you get like an, an image title that he has to do, or a valiant title, or whatever it may be, he can just come up with whatever story he wants and tell it the way he wants to, and they let him do it. And whenever he does, those are great. Like Birthright's fucking awesome. Oh hell yeah! Um, the other book that I wanted to bring up was uh, the Deathstroke Annual Number One uh, came out. Probably, oh, maybe close to like a month ago or so. And there had been a story arc going on in Deathstroke called uh, Deathstroke Defiance, where did either of you read the um, Lazarus contract? No. No. Okay, so that was a crossover between Titans, Teen Titans, and Deathstroke, where... Basically, when the Titans, you know, with like Nightwing and everything, <laughs> who are you opening up something with cellophane there? Oh, sorry. I thought I muted my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he's like doing over tearing there. Tearing into like a fucking little Debbie or something. 
I'm going to make sweet love to this Twinkie. <laughs> hey. Little do you know he's got Oreos chilling over there. I didn't know, I didn't know video was on. <laughs> so anyway, Lazarus contract. Um, that, that was a really cool storyline. I'm sure at some point DC is going to release that all bound together just as one trade. Totally worth picking up and just reading it without reading any of the other stuff leading up to it because it's a pretty good self-contained story and it has a lot of characters in it. But throughout the course of it, um, light light spoilers for Lazarus Contract, Deathstroke gets the Speed Force. And, oh, nice. Yeah, it's fucking crazy shit because he specifically wants it to go back and try and alter the past. And... um. Going all Doc Brown, Marty McFly. Yeah, you know, he has like a little bit of like a religious experience, and he decides that he's not going to be a villain anymore. He wants to try and be a good guy, and so that's what Deathstroke Defiance was all about: was him trying to put together a team to, you know, do good, and 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 he like try and resist that urge to be, you know, <laughs> you know the the Deathstroke that we all know and love, who is like totally fucking despicable, cold hearted killer. And with the Deathstroke annual number one, it brings Deathstroke Defiance to a close and where he pretty much decides, okay, I'm, I'm back to being a killer again. And so if anybody wants to jump on Deathstroke, you, um, you don't really need to read the annual, but the issue that came out right after it is Deathstroke number 28. And it, cre- it starts a new story arc called uh, Chinatown. And it's bringing in... The uh, have you guys heard of this? I think it's called like the the new Superman or something like that, and it's like the the Chinese Superman. No, have you nope. heard of that in Deathstroke or in uh, DC? So anyway, it brings that in, and Deathstroke has a fight with him right away, and it's fucking great. Kicks the shit out of him, and uh, so apparently this this Chinese Superman he can he has to focus his chi. To, so he can't have all of Superman's powers at once. He can only have like one at a time. And so Deathstroke basically gets him on the ground and stuffs like a whole bunch of these, like, I don't know, they're, they're like these tiny little balls that are probably about the size of like a half inch or something like that across and stuffs them in his mouth. And he's like, he's like, okay, you just swallowed a whole bunch of these tiny little, you know, nano grenades. And and you're going to have to focus your chi on being indestructible, and you're not going to have the strength to be able to hold me here, and I'm going to be able to escape. And so, like, as he's running away, he's like, oh, by the way, those were gumballs. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's great. You know, it's good, like a little bit of that humor to it, but at the same time, it's Deathstroke back to being just this despicable fucking badass. And, I mean, how cool he's like... Sh- fighting a superman villain which is or not a super uh, he's fighting a superman like character i don't know why i said villain there but yeah i don't know very very interesting deathstroke has consistently been a great book um i i've i've been reading it since since the fucking deathstroke rebirth and yeah it's 28 issues in so far it's written by christopher priest and it has just been fucking rad he did black panther too Christopher Priest wrote some Black Panther? Yeah. Oh, shit. I want to read those. That's like what he brought Black Panther like back on the map, I guess. Like he did like a 60-issue run of Black Panther 
from like the late nineties. Sixty fucking issues of Christopher Priest. Yeah, I'm pretty Holy sure. Holy shit, dude! Yeah, I'll be checking that out on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, because I'm like I'm reading like the I'm on like the third or fourth issue of it right now. It's pretty dialogue heavy, but yeah, that's Priest. Okay, yeah, I it's... do remember you telling me that. Now that's ringing a bell. Yeah. I remember you telling me you said it's dialogue heavy, and me saying, "Oh yeah, that sounds like a priest book." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, oh, I love it. it. It is different too because I mean, you're like also the comic. It's like the late '90s type of art in the comics, so it's a little different than what we're what you get nowadays too. Hmm, okay, I'll have to check that out. I had just read some some Black Panther, but it was like the 2016 run. That it was all Brian Stelfreeze art and. I mean, oh fuck! That guy's a hell of an artist. Is it good? Yeah, it's it's really good. Who's doing Black Panther right now? I'm not positive. It, it, he might still be doing the art on it. It might be ongoing, but I, I'd have to. Cause I'm not caught up on it yet. Yeah. So I'm only about the first story arc in. So I'm still, and I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that started in 2016. I think it's Tamahasi Coates is doing the writing, and Brian Stelfreeze is doing the art. Damn, my name's Tamahasi. I think so. I, th- I think that's how you pronounce it. It's a sweet first name, <laughs> <laughs> right? No, dude, the Black Black Panther movie was fucking awesome too. Holy shit! Have you seen that yet, Paul? Nope, seeing it tomorrow. Oh, dude, you're gonna fucking love it! Right? I can't wait to hear what you think of it. I'm pumped. It is pretty good. Yeah, it was. It was. It was like a huge fucking like event at our school. Like every kid in their family saw it Thursday night, and they all came back talking about it. Like, man, it's crazy. The like, I'm glad they're hitting who they're hitting with this movie. Like, it's fun to see like my kids and where they come from into like one hero like this and so into it. Dude, you're gonna love the message that's in it. Sweet, I can't wait. You are, and the way that they the way that they end it as well, like it's with where you teach and everything in the in the kids that whose lives you impact. This movie is going to make your heart happy. Oh, I'm pumped now! I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like I am. Like seriously, I I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Like it's you're gonna have to text me. <laughs> I will. And the Black Panther suit is fucking sweet. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for Killmonger because I love fucking Michael B. Jordan. Oh my yeah. god, he knocks it out of the park, dude. He is uh, like he's he's easily the best Marvel villain that we've seen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he kills it. I mean, the he fact is that so good. yeah, I mean, the fact like because he's a sympathetic villain. And okay, it, okay. In, in much the way that Loki was, but it's taken a few movies to get Loki to that point. Whereas you're on, you're on Killmonger's side in a, in a way that it like really makes you like think about it a lot where you're like, Oh my God, I can, I can, I don't want to relate to this guy, but I can totally relate to where this guy's coming from. I mean, he's a, just a fascinating character. And Michael B. Jordan, I mean, of course he knocks it out of the park. Holy shit. Friday Night Lights. Yep. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Dude. Vince Howard. Like, he was, he was good on Friday Night Lights, and, like, he has grown so much just from that show. 
into like when you did Creed and then now this. Like, I mean, we don't talk about Fantastic Four because that wasn't his fault. But <laughs> he was good in Fantastic Four. Like, with what he was given, he was good. He is not the reason why Fantastic Four was terrible. Like, he at least tried. So that's what I like about that. Like, you can't blame it on him. You know, like, he's, to me, he's, he's, he's innocent in that, in that fucking debacle. Yeah. Did you ever see, um, Fruitvale Station? Yes. No. Did you see it? God, Joe, you need to see it. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but. It will sit with you. Yeah, it's a fucking good, like, he does a great job. And that was, because Fruitvale Station was Ryan Coogler's first movie as a director. Oh, okay. So what's that about? It's that true story about that. Remember that guy that got shot in the back waiting for a train? That African-American guy? Okay. Yeah, like, no, I don't like, remember hearing like, about that. Yeah, it happened out in, in L.A. A co- um, like these cops got into an altercation with um, a black individual, and he had him, they had him like literally pinned down on his back with his hands behind him. And the one cop pulled out his gun and shot him straight in the back and killed him. Holy shit. Yeah, and like this was all like on video because it was at a train station. And so all these people are recording this on their cell phones. The movie starts with the original real recording from the cell phone. Like uncut everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so the movie is, is basically like Michael B. Jordan plays that character in like the, the day, like the lead up to that event. And the, like, because it happens at night, so like, you basically go through that final that final day of his life with him. Wow, that sounds like a heavy movie. That's insane. yeah, it, it was super heavy. There goes that word again. Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull in the future? <laughs> <laughs> no, and then you, Creed was also Coogler and and Michael B. Jordan. I don't know if I don't think Coogler's doing Creed too. But I'm not positive on that. I think Stallone is. On his own? Fuck. Yep. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Creed 1 was fucking amazing. Yeah. Stallone fucking killed it in that movie. Yeah, but Coogler was the one who directed that movie. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, acting-wise, he killed it. I think he was nominated that year. Yeah. Did you ever see Creed? Nah, I haven't seen it. I've heard it's excellent, though, but that's me in movies, you know. It's just not in your alley. (laughs) Well, it's like I I go out of my way to to see the comic book ones, but the other ones, it's I just don't have that much time. So it's it's just hard. Hard for me to watch the movies. You're going to watch Westworld season two? Oh, yeah. I make time for fucking awesome TV shows. (laughs) I made time for Game of Thrones and fucking Westworld and There's some oh, show that I, was, I started I started watching some show. I think I don't know how long it's been on there, but I was just randomly on HBO. Um it's called I think it's called Chasing. And it's like comedians, but it's they play themselves, so like Artie Lang's in it. Um I feel like Bill Burr's in an episode or two. But there's just like all these stand-up comedians out living in LA, and I don't—I only saw one random episode that was on, but it seemed interesting. It was pretty funny. Oh, right on. Yeah, I'd never heard of that one. 
Have you heard of it, Paul? No, I haven't. I haven't at all. I'm excited for that Castle Rock show to come on um, Hulu, which takes place in the entire Stephen King universe. Oh, yeah. that I mean, it's definitely got a lot of good source material to draw on. Yeah, I think it all centers around Shawshank. I think that's at the center. Shawshank Prison. Andy Dufresne. Yeah. And it's funny, the guy that plays Pennywise in the new movie It is one of the lead roles in this TV show. But he's not playing Pennywise, yeah. Shawshank is actually here in Ohio. Really? Well, the the movie that they filmed... The Shawshank Redemption at that prison was is the Ohio uh, re- Reformatory, and it, they have like all these huge, like, ghost tours and stuff like that. Like, I think you can do like sleepovers and shit in there. Dude, let's do that tomorrow. There's only white people doing those sleepover tours. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that, dude! I wouldn't. Do let's it. go stay overnight in a prison. <laughs> you're the best. You're the best sleep of my life. <laughs> no crying no. kids. I was just gonna say, are you doing another My Cousin Vinny <laughs> reference there? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Don't post my bail. And there's like what? There's a huge riot that night, and he's sleeping through it like a baby. <laughs> That's because he's from New York, man. He needs all that fucking crazy ambient noise in the background, right? Well, and he was used to what the train always going by in the morning and the fucking cows going to slaughter. That's fucking great. <laughs> I love him, like, explaining, like, a timeline air with grits. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, it take, like, it takes... Does your water boil quicker than others? <laughs> Unless the laws of physics def- are defied in your kitchen, there's no way a self-respecting <laughs> Southerner would use Instagrits. <laughs> Do you use Instagrits? Any self-respecting Southerner never uses Instagrits. <laughs> like, calm down. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did not see us bringing up my cousin Vinny so many times. <laughs> The Frostbite great, comic talk episode. <laughs> you just never know. No, we, you do never know. This, is, this has been a fun ride. <laughs> you need to give this episode like an 80s action movie tagline. I'll have to come up with something. In the description. <laughs> I was just thinking of playing the, the song from the end of Breakfast Club would make the most sense. Don't you forget about me. <laughs> Hey, 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 hey. Ooh. And we all throw our fist up. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, I don't think we could wrap it up any better than that. <laughs> like that's like the perfect way. But da na na na. I think so. You know, at the end of the podcast we'll have like like the end of an eighties movie, like and then Joe went on. To become a self you know, a self published author, and Paul went to prison. <laughs> Ritz Cadillac went on to promote prison fights. <laughs> prison fights, yeah. This is a picture of Stone Cold Steve Austin crushing beers. <laughs> God, he made Ritz Cadillac sound like fucking Leonardo DiCaprio from Django Unchained. 
Oh, shit. Um, Paul, do you want to plug some of your podcasts? Yeah, yeah. I, I do a couple things where I talk. Uh, I got the animated Badcast with Rebecca Darling. Um, We talk about Batman, the animated series. Movies from the Heart, where we talk about uh, your favorite movie, and we're adding a guilty pleasure section. And then Ginger Mirror with fellow Ginger Matt Kirby. That soulless bastard. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh yeah rod rod i got you on here all the time so right i'm just on here <laughs> but rod like, you got a real fun podcast coming up real soon don't you i do that and is joe it's a little combo pack here with me yeah, and joe yeah. and rebecca right. comic talk the comic talk that's coming right up we're gonna be recording our first episode here pretty soon yeah, what, a few weeks? In a few weeks, yep. Yep. That's going to be number one comic books, and um, that's going to be rad. Is that We're all be talking... publishers? Is yes. going to be like, okay, cool, cool. Yep, it just needs to be a number one, and it's going to be with uh, with me and Rod and Rebecca and Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers, and so each episode, it's it'll be every other week, and each episode we're going to cover four comic books where we'll each pick a number one and we'll discuss. And then next episode, whole new batch of number ones. So number twos, fuck that. We're not talking number twos. We're talking number yes, ones number and we're two. moving on. Who does number two work for? <laughs> I number one. Uh, I number two on your number one. That should be the name of the podcast. <laughs> that sounds like a Paul Hart. <laughs> Sounds like a Paul Hart certified podcast. Uh, it's not title, that right? many. It's, it's, it doesn't have that many syllables. It's, it's in the reject pile. <laughs> We're gonna have to punch this up and add some more words. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, uh, this has been a lot of fun, guys. Yeah, man, it's awesome. Thanks for having us on. Oh, absolutely. And Paul, I don't know if I will ever be able to read frostbite the same way again right. i'm sorry you're probably just gonna have to edit me completely out of this podcast <laughs> no way <laughs> <laughs> i didn't mean to ruin it's just that that was such a great fucking oh that was such a great comic book like i i, I do i really enjoy it but isn't it kind of cool i enjoyed it in a completely different way you guys did yeah that's what i was gonna say you didn't even come close to ruining it <laughs> no it was oh man i just envisioned like fucking just like 80s pure goldness with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I almost want to make like an 80s fucking rock, <laughs> like Pandora station or something like that to play. Then read it. Read it. <laughs> yeah, man. And then you got to like assign like actors so you can like, like read it in their voice. <laughs> like uh, fucking um, Nicolas Cage is Fuego. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> And I got Conor McGregor as Conway. Conway? Is that Conway. his name? Barlow? Yeah, that, yeah, him. That, that motherfucker. Conway. There's a W in there, isn't there? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that's, that's my thinking. It's not Conor McGregor. <laughs> Conor McGregor? He's the fucking uh, crazy no. UFC fighter. You said there's a W in there, and I said it's not Connor no, McGregor. Conway. Con- yeah. I call him Conway, but he's what, Marlo? I, my joke didn't hit. Okay. 
okay? <laughs> Just let me no, walk I away do, with fucking I dignity. Failed, <laughs> I failed terribly. I had to announce the lunch yesterday at school, like in front of the whole school. And it was, okay, like, like it was nacho salad. Like, who the fuck serves nacho salad? It's not even a thing. Just call it taco salad. <laughs> right. Like, ooh, we're being edgy. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but, like... I, I like I try to start off with a joke. I'm like, what do you guys call vegetables? That's not yours. Cause for lunch, we're having a nacho salad. And it was like fucking crickets. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like crickets. It was like, get this white guy a fuck out of here. <laughs> get to step in Mr. Hart. You're lame <laughs> guys. I'll be in the elevator. If anybody needs me. <laughs> you should have done your whole Matt Foley impersonation. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, this was was a fun episode. Um, Thank you both very much. This was awesome. And uh, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been StarkCast. If you have any questions or comments on what you just heard, you can email me at startcastpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja, or you can check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash startcastpod. Thank you very much for listening. Hey, I'd like to take a moment to ask you all a big favor. If you enjoy listening to Startcast, please log on to iTunes and leave me a review. It uh, really helps with visibility for the show, and um, I would super appreciate it. If you're not a fan and you want to be honest and tell me how much my show sucks, go ahead and leave me a run of those too.